You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. You ready? Yep. Hey everyone, welcome to another Behind the Message with Jason and Chris. And um, it feels so much better to record this without those head- headphones on. <laughs> so, if the sound levels are off, it's because I refuse to wear these headphones right now. Um, they just drive me crazy. Uh, but it's a new week and um, I don't know if... I, did, I guess we didn't talk about this ahead of time, but this is going to be our last right. behind the message for the year. Uh, so we'll pick this up probably in January. Yeah. Okay. I don't think we'll wait till February. We'll okay. do... Because um, you have a series in January, right? That... Yeah, I'll do a giving okay. series. Okay. I don't I, I don't think I want to do that for four weeks. I might just do it three weeks. Okay. So it's very likely we'll start back for Samuel at the end of January, but we'll see. But, um, so the last one for the year and we'll take a break. So for those, uh, I'm sure we're, we're probably up to at least 10 listeners. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. We we're at Thanksgiving. Um, and, uh, we went to my sister's house after, I guess it was the day after Thanksgiving. No, it was Thanksgiving day um and my brother-in-law was talking about how he'll he'll watch the message mm-hmm. um on youtube or something and he said he was he was uh adding to one of my like 20 views on youtube <laughs> <laughs> me and me and my mom um so but he watches pretty consistently mm-hmm. i told him i would give him a shout out eventually uh, on a sunday you but get him on this behind the message bump those numbers up a little bit like to have him Listen, dialogue yeah. or speak? No, no. Oh, I don't know listen, if he listens listen, to this. Yeah. Um, he's super smart. Like, yeah, he is really smart. I don't know if he'll listen <laughs> to that, but I don't know if I've told him to his face, but he is really a smart fella. Um, yeah, I am interested, like, who does listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you used to look at the stats all the time, and you would... Share those occasionally. Like, yeah, I have to look at we like what countries, other countries, other yeah. countries that randomly <laughs> accidentally click on it, and they're like, "Who are these guys?" Um, yeah, I will now for the sake of um, what would I call that um, confidentiality. I will not share this person's name, but I was approached on Sunday, and they told me that they got a speeding ticket. Because they were listening listening to behind the message. <laughs> I said, "Well, the cop did they let you off because you're listening to a church podcast?" They said, "No." Oh, um, and uh, yeah, I said, "Well, we'll we'll the church will pay for it, which we we're not." So, <laughs> but yeah, they got a speeding ticket listening to behind the message, which doesn't seem like the kind of podcast yeah, that would make you speed, but it was. I didn't say their name, so I could say it. I think it was like a 65 and a 40. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm like, well, God's good grace, you didn't get arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I thought it was funny when they told that me. That was funny. All right, so 
end of the year, what are you thankful for, for behind the message? We made it another year. I am thankful for, I've had several people throughout the year come up and, and say that they're listening and then uh, give encouragement and, and let, let us know that we're doing a good job. And I appreciate that very much. Um, their words of encouragement and being kind and thankful to spend time uh, with you. I probably might regret to saying that here in a minute. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, and the opportunity to dive deeper into God's word that I mean, I may may not do on my own if if you know. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm hesitant to put it this way, but I've told a few people since being here that I don't know if whew, that, that's a bad way to put it. I feel like sometimes I feel like I don't know if I'd even be saved if I wasn't teaching the word every mm. week. You know, I don't know. Yeah. It's just something about the, and maybe that's true. I get the glory and God's like, yeah, I called you to that because I knew you needed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just being forced to know Sunday's coming, you better have something mm. had to be in the word um yeah i hope that does come across like i'm not preparing a message for someone else it's like i'm trying mm. to study or just for someone else like i'm trying to study it myself right like, i need it so yeah is that your list that's my list yeah i did put i get to hang out with you and that I know there's a little bromance brewing here. I'm behind the message. And there's the regret. There's the <laughs> regret. Um, I've mentioned some of these a lot. It does keep pressure off me from adding everything into a Sunday message. Yep. We talked about a staff meeting. I mean, someone said, well, you could preach you know, 45 minutes or something. I said, yeah. I said, I don't know if I could hold my own attention for 45 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. But it does keep the pressure to, like, how can you say what you're going to say in a concise, clear, simple way? That's at least the goal. I'm not sure I accomplish that every week. But that that also means you're taking things away of things you prepped. Yeah. Uh, you shouldn't, no teacher should say everything they've studied. Um, but it this avenue gives me an opportunity to to dive into that more um it lets me clarify myself mm-hmm. it? um it's i 20,000 year mistakes yeah <laughs> oh yeah from, <laughs> yeah i'm surprised more people didn't say that um and oh i i oh, a weird one that people may not realize i think it was a game changer for small groups um for those that i think use them Oh, the same question. Yeah. yeah. We, behind the message are discussion questions that we send out on Sundays for small groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of a reality that came through uh, COVID life, but uh, it was helpful. I did that in student ministry, but it, it's just, if anything, it was a game changer for our small group. Our small group discussion got drastically better when we started doing these. Um, now that doesn't. We have some dud small group discussions at times, and I'm pri- primarily the one to blame for that. But <laughs> yeah, it it just makes it easier on small group leaders, and um, so yeah, that's where these questions come from. If people don't know that or haven't connected the dots. All right, we're done with First Samuel. 
7. We're just getting started with 1 Samuel, but we'll pick it up probably, like I mentioned, in January, February. But we just finished chapter 7, trying to finish on more positive. It should have been more positive, and then just hammered leadership for 30 minutes. Sorry about that. But um, So we looked at four qualities of godly leaders. This is the rise of Samuel's uh, leadership in Israel. So we had four points. Point one, godly leaders care about your heart. Why is Samuel in the text so concerned about Israel's heart? Uh, he knows that until the heart issue is addressed, everything will stay the same. Yeah. They'll stay in their mess. Um, I mean, he sees and has seen the sins of Israel and knows that they need to truly uh, repent and turn back to God. Hmm. Yeah, I think if I could retitle this series, it'd have something to do with the heart rather than the kingdom hope. Because mm. like this all, how many weeks? 11 weeks. And we haven't even got to kingdom yet, you know? <laughs> but heart is a, is a consistent theme yeah. throughout the entire Bible, but certainly 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and you look at David, you know? Mm-hmm. Talk a lot about his heart was after the Lord. Or what I read Sunday. Um, maybe we'll talk about that in a minute. All right, so let's keep going. So, uh, Jason, what does it mean to care for someone's heart? Ooh, I think it's seeing past the exterior and searching for the root of what's going on inside their heart. Seeing past the way maybe they're dressed um, and the way they look. Seeing past some of their uh, external behaviors. Um, so what does all of that mean? I think in practicality, I think um, it changes how we pray for them. It changes how we pray for ourselves. I'll give you a little instance that's super, uh, that happened, I mean, last night. And I mentioned it to you earlier well, on the way to the elders meeting mm-hmm. and stop into the gas station at Food City because I was like, I need caffeine. I'm not going to survive the evening without it. And I grabbed a diet doctor enough and get in line and there's like 10 people in line just being and they weren't even being mean it was just they i could just by the way they dressed by the things they were buying um just their appearance i was just like ugh, you know carter county and you know i'm just like ah get like get out of my way i need a doctor enough i gotta go to this elder meeting and I had a little check in my spirit last mm-hmm. night to say, like, Jason, you're being not only judgmental, but if they do have issues, you only see in the exterior. Like, mm. those exterior issues are heart issues. Their hearts are not right with the Lord. And I think it changes. It does. It makes you less bitter and angry when you start to see that in people, knowing, like, well, my heart's not right all the time. Yeah. Um, and my heart certainly wasn't right standing in line that night. So much so I went and put my doctor enough back. I said, I'm going, I'll get caffeine later. Um, so it should change. You change, you pray for people's hearts. You pray for uh, how we pray for ourselves. So. so all that being said, should we even care about people's behaviors? And this ties into a lot of what you just said. But yeah, we should care about their behaviors. But we need to address the root of the problem, I think would probably, 
a lot of the times maybe correct the behaviors in the process yeah. of finding the root of the issue. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we we can't ignore the behavior. You you don't want to enable it or right. Um, yeah, I guess I wrestled with these questions yeah. standing in that line <laughs> because I did. I mean, there is a level of like. You should care because those are symptoms. It's like if mm-hmm. you ignore all the symptoms, you ignore the root of the problem as well. So um, we should care. It it should be somewhat upsetting to see those behaviors. And I mean, Corey working at Isaiah one seventeen, like you're constantly being re- being reminded of how dark and evil this world is. Mm-hmm. So to say, well, they well they just have heart issues. I'm like, yeah, but. You know, we, we're going to still deal with those external behaviors right now. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe we'll talk more about that. So, how can a parent or a grandparent minister to their child or grandchild's heart? I'm going to give you a little quote. Um, this is from Paul Tripp, which I will highly recommend to any parent that ever listens to this. Any Paul Tripp parenting book is excellent i think he's got gospel principles of parenting he's got i think he might even have a book about something about someone's heart and parenting i don't know what it's called but any paul trip on parenting is fantastic um so he has this quote in one of his books i thought was good for us to read about that question he says um this means that my biggest ongoing problem as a dad is not my children, it's me. My children don't cause me to do and say what I do and say. No, the cause of my actions is found inside of my own heart. My children are simply the occasion where my heart reveals itself in words and actions. So I need much more than just a rescue and and relief from my children. I need rescue from me. This is why Jesus came uh, to provide us with the rescue that we all need that we cannot provide for ourselves. It's so good. And I will say, don't buy the book looking for 10 steps on how to fix your kids because it's just like chapter after chapter of like, the problem is you, not your kids. (laughs) Just a fair warning. (laughs) Fair warning. Um, So what what does all that mean? How do we parent? How do I parent my child's heart? I certainly fail every day. But... I'm trying to make that the main priority. At least that's the goal. So we create boundaries and rules that lead to protecting and capturing their heart, not to make them good little kids. Um, And again, I think a simple one is I pray for their heart. Like pray, don't just pray for your kid to stop saying this, stop doing this. Um, It's pray for their heart. We've been dealing with one child that is whining and being incredibly selfish it's it's obnoxious Mm -hmm. and they got grounded from video games and i just kept laying it on and it was like say it again and he said it and uh, i said day one (laughs) i said do it again and they kept going day two i said i'll keep going i said stop saying no to me And we're done. He said, well, no. I said, day three. And then just, we got up to day six. Wow. And uh, <laughs> so wow. we are going to follow through with that. Uh, so, yeah, you're going to punish your kid, follow through with it. Yeah. But um, 
I do need to step back because I, I don't think I'm thinking through like, why, why are they being like this? What's going on in his heart mm-hmm. that he has never content, never mm. at peace with any situation. So, um, another one is creates a wonder. This is a big Paul trip idea in his books, but create a wonder for the glory of Christ in the everyday. Meaning if you use God and the Bible and the and church as a weapon to get your children to behave, at best you're going to create little Pharisees. At worst, you're going to create a prodigal. So I've used simple language like... <clears throat> um, and it was honest, honestly, I think it was after reading all this stuff I started doing this. But when they're real little, use language like, isn't it cool how beautiful God made today? Or if we hike up, uh, on your own you're like isn't it awesome that god made these mountains mm-hmm. and they're like yeah woo. now i wouldn't say that to your teenage kid because you're like quit you're being a dork dad like <laughs> but for little kids it works for teenagers you're gonna have to be more creative but it's it's like are you only talking about church and god in the bible to get them to behave or to like show them the glory of Christ. Mm. So it's really hard to do the latter. So, mm. all right. Two, godly leaders call you to repentance. Chris, how do we know if someone is serious about repentance? All right. Well, first, according to Samuel, repentance is to first turn away from adultery, direct your heart to the Lord, and serve Him alone. Um, and to answer your main question is, I don't, I don't know that if we will know if someone is serious or not. Um, I would say it's between the offender and God, uh, foremost. Um, but if this person is in your life and you're very familiar with the person I, and you know them well, I think you would see changes, changes in them. But yeah. I mean, overall, I don't, I don't know that that we'll we will know. Yeah, I think it's possible. It's possible knowing the conversations I've already had with others today. So I'm trying to be careful with what I say. It's possible. It's not your job. It's true. To decide whether someone is repentant or not. Um, it's your job uh, to forgive. Yeah. Uh, it's your job to protect yourself. Like if, if you're like, well, I don't know if they're repentant. I'm like, well, stop asking that question. Do you feel like you can't trust them? Because that's a different conversation than right. repentance. You can forgive someone and not trust them for a while. Um, and you can forgive someone and say, all right, well, they're repentant. They At least they're verbalizing repentance. But I'm not going to put myself in another position to be harmed by them. Yeah. Um, so I... Only because it's just on my mind. Um, it's like as a church, we're never going to counsel a woman to stay with like a, an, a physically abusive right. husband, and and we're like, well, he's repentant. I'm like, yeah, he's repentant in the moment. Yeah, but you need to not be with him for I, that. Every situation is different, right. so I'm not saying this is just one statement. But we're not going to counsel to say like, well, forgive him, trust that he's repentant, and then just stay in that relationship. And then four months from now, he does it again. 
Um, so those are very complicated. I just don't think it's our job. We're not biblically called to say like, are they repentant? Are they not? Right. It's right. just forgive if they've asked for forgiveness and then you move on to what um, God's called you in his word after that. And maybe that is stay away from them for a while, yeah. for a while. Um, so Jason, why do we see so many people only like the first side of repentance um, which I think you mentioned in your in your message, because they're they're a bunch of fakers, <laughs> fakers. Um, I think they have a false view of judgment. Uh, they only like the first side of repentance because they think, um, like for us, like when Samuel calls the people to repentance in Israel. Come, return to the Lord, if you're returning to the Lord, yep. with all your heart. And the people could easily be like, yeah, that's what we want to do. Mm-hmm. That's re- the repentance you're calling us to. But he doesn't stop there, because that's right. not where repentance stops. He says, and then put away all your foreign gods. So our culture would say, well, you can't say the second part. Like, only <laughs> say the first part. You're being judgmental by saying the second part. I'm like, no, we're calling you to the full reality of repentance. You don't get to just say it with your mouth, with your lips. You actually have to prove it with your actions. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you're not going to flirt with the foreign gods later, or you're going to find yourself. Israel was constantly going back and forth between obedience and disobedience. But yeah. in the moment of repentance, you got to put away the foreign gods. And our culture would say, like, well, you're just judging me. I'm like, yeah, Samuel was called a judge. <laughs> There's a different... I think people think like when I when Christians are called to judge other Christians, that's the calling of the Bible. But we're not called to condemn people. I can I condemn no one right. in their sin. That's not my job. I'm not the final judge. Mm-mm. But I can judge whether something's sin or not. Um, and people should be able to do that in my life. Yeah. Um. I guess the last one, it's just easier. <laughs> it's easier to say, God, forgive me, and then do nothing do different. Nothing like, we want the benefits of the resurrection without the suffering yeah. of the cross. So, uh, you got to yeah. get both. You got to get both. Yeah. Um, all That's right. That's good. Chris, yep. is it being judgmental for godly... <laughs> I guess we just answered this. Is it Kinda. being judgmental for godly leaders to call people to repentance? Because that's happened since I've been here. I mean, we've been called judgmental as elders. Right. Like, who are you to judge? We've we've heard that as elders ca- trying to call people to repentance. So, what do you think? I would say no. We are not judgmental for doing that. Um, I, actually, I would say when we do our new member interviews, we state this pretty clearly during that process. And we advise why we're doing it, not that we're trying to be a bunch of jerks or that we are being judgmental, but we do it in love, wanting to restore that person's relationship with God, you know, God the Father through Christ Jesus. And it's also made known during the same member, you know, member meeting that them they this person that we're interviewing also as a member has has the right to call us to judgment as elders as well if we step out of line. Right. Um, yeah. to bring us to repentance. Um so that we may repent as well. Everyone gives the thumbs up for that. Yeah. In the member meeting. When everything's good. Right. <laughs> it's when things are not good but, that you feel it. And I guess, you know, it just requires a gospel humbleness, doesn't it? I mean, because 
no one. I don't. I mean, I've been called out on things that I was maybe crossed the line or too much or whatever. And when you first hear it, the spirit isn't like, thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> thank you. I was just waiting, you know. I, I, you know, it's just the very first thought is like, no, forget you. Like, yeah. I know more than you. I'm better than you. Like, I'm, like, you, it, even as mature as I am, you're like, or I think I am at times. Let me back that up. <laughs> Mature I am in this area, at least. Like, when you first hear it, you're like, don't judge me. Mm. That's your very first reaction. Yeah. Um, so it takes, the, it, uh, it, it takes the Holy Spirit, uh, someone to actually be a believer to understand the gospel, to be humble enough to hear that. Um, so, and I think... As uh, scripture and history has proven, a lot of people aren't humble and don't mm. understand the gospel. Uh, so these are tough. These yeah. are tough. <laughs> How mature I am. <laughs> said it super arrogant. I didn't mean it like that. But all right. <laughs> Let me back that up. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, three. What was the question? What was I answering this message? Oh, qu- four qualities of, a godly, of godly leaders. Three. Godly leaders pray for you. So, Jason, why is it why is prayer so important? Um, some of these are just gonna be obvious. We're invited to talk to God. I mean, if you think about it like that, you're like why why wouldn't you want to do that? It's important. Um, he actually listens, and then he actually responds. Mm. Um, I could give so many scripture examples to all of that, but. Let me give you one example here in Matthew twenty-seven fifty-one. Uh, this is right after the crucifixion. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. So we don't need a high priest anymore to go before the Lord for us. Yeah. Jesus became the great high priest, and now we get to go before the Lord through Christ. So prayer is a gospel privilege for God's children. Like he listens, which I I know I've taught on this, and there's plenty of examples. He listens to his children in different ways than he listens to just unbelievers. So it's that important. I mean, it's like a it's like trying to tell a kid like why it's important to talk to his dad. You know, I mean, I'll give you a thousand examples why. Um, so, hmm? which they would. Quit asking me for snacks. I know that. They <laughs> get done. You know, I at this stage of the game, it's just built into their brain. They they say it because they're bored or they don't know what else to say. It's not because they want one. Hey, there's a time coming when they'll bring you snacks, brother. Oh, they will. No, they will. Okay. No, this I told a, a new family or new parents yesterday, like. The baby stage, yeah, they're cute and whatever, but it's it gets really good when they get go get you stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> or like, I think it starts where they throw your stuff away. You know, <laughs> I don't need you to do anything specific. I need you to yeah. take my trash and go put it in the trash yeah. can. And you're like, that's great. I didn't have to get up. And then you can graduate <laughs> to go get me this out of the fridge or the yeah. cupboard or whatever. And it's just go get me my phone. I do that a lot. Uh, find my wallet because but they're like they're always <laughs> every time they come in my wallet they're digging through it i said i did not ask you to look through it 
Just get it. Well, go get a bonus. It yeah. <laughs> well, we do. Let me tell you the uh, for a long time. If you want, this is a parenting hack. If you want to speed up this process with your children, for the longest time, Corey and I play uh, the snack tax. So if the oh. kids ask us to open anything. We take a bite out of it, yeah. and we're like, "You had to pay the snack tax." Eventually, they're they're tired of taxes, which is a good thing for a young American to <laughs> be sick of taxes. Young and you know, <laughs> they get it young. Early. Yeah, train them up early, <laughs> and they get sick of it, and they're like, "I'll figure out how to open this myself." <laughs> so, <laughs> trying to create a lot of independence in this house. Nothing wrong with that. All right, uh, what is hard turn here? Go. What does prayer reveal? We're talking about prayer. Uh, prayer reveals what's truly in our hearts. Um, it reveals our true motivations, and it uh, can reveal our priorities. Those are true. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I was making sure it was still recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I. Uh... Yeah, no, that's good. Oh. So, Jason, right. does God always promise us victory when we pray? Um, let me read 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54. I feel like I read these verses all the time on Sunday, but they're good, so I'm not going to apologize for that. But when the perishable puts on the imperishable, the mortal puts on immortality. Then shall come to pass, saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, the power of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God... Who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and then verse 58 is really good, but let me answer this. Uh, <laughs> when prayer... Oh, Corey just texted me. Hold on. She's asking me what we're eating for dinner. Breakfast. I'll get... Sausages on the way. All right, we're good. It's real time. We didn't prep this. All right. When we pray for temporary victory, mm-hmm. sometimes God gives us temporary victory. Maybe it's a better job. You pray for a better job, pray for more money, pray for healing from a sickness or disease, pray for a child. You're like, I. You know, barren, you pray for a, a child, you pray for a house, you pray for a new car, whatever it is. God in His good grace gives us temporary victories through our prayer, and I think it's okay to pray for them, mm-hmm. um, for sure. But we also need to remember that they're temporary victories, meaning if God heals the person you... I've tried to say this over and over since I've been here, and really, I guess it was a revelation, not a revelation, like... <laughs> like I'm a, <laughs> so sitting under a tree and this angel. Um, no, I, I think it was just wrestling with scripture and the reality of the, why people do the things they do. Um, but if God heals the person you're praying for, it's only temporary. Mm-hmm. Like that person is still going to die one day. Right. Still. I mean, if your uncle or whoever has cancer, pray for them to get better. It's a terrible thing. Pray for them. But know that even if God fully heals them from cancer, they're still going to die. So it's a temporary victory, even though yeah. we, we should want that. That's a good thing. 
So we pray for temporary victories, but we hold fast to the eternal victory that we're promised in Christ. So I would say in a way, he always promises his children victory when they pray, as long as their mind is focused on eternity. Yeah. Yeah. That was a way I felt like felt like a kind of politician answering that but <laughs> I think those are just important things I mean because people um, you know if a believer dies and God didn't heal them I'm like God already healed them you know like he he healed them forever uh, yeah that's just we don't like to think like that but it's the best way to think so as a church we will pray for those that are sick um, but why aren't we praying more for, you know, again, their heart, like for them yeah. to be healed right. forever, yeah. not just yeah. like that they would turn their heart over to Christ. Uh, so, all right, four, here it is. Godly leadership worships the Lord at home. Yeah. I forgot an S there. All right, godly leader worships the Lord at home. All right, Chris. What did Samuel do after setting up the Ebenezer? He judged Israel all the days of his life. Yeah. He would go visit different places in Israel yearly. Mm-hmm. He went on a circuit and he would judge those places. Yeah. And then he would return home to Ramah and judge there also. Mm. And he built an altar to the Lord there. That's good. Good little recap. Yep. So. What does Ebenezer mean, Jason? Uh, I simply just summary. The Lord helps, the stone of help, um, the helper stone or whatever I said on Sunday. <laughs> you get the gist wow. here. You get the gist here. Um, and I just, so we, we uh, finished with Come Thou Fount. On mm-hmm. Sunday, We this last song was Come Thou Fount because here I raised my Ebenezer. Uh, and I did, I almost never pick songs on Sunday. Like I, I trust Isaac. I tell Isaac, sing about Jesus. I'll preach about Jesus. Mm -hmm. We'll be good to go. And every once in a while, I'm like, we have to sing this because it just, yeah. But I ended up texting him like Friday, (laughs) (laughs) maybe even Saturday. So hats off to Isaac. I said, can, Mm -hmm. and I don't make, I mean, if he, if he was, I think we were going to sing Cornerstone, which actually would have worked mm-hmm. really well too. I said, "You don't. Like, I'm not gonna make him. Like, right. Like, I'm right. not a tyrant, and you know, whatever." I said, "Can you? Would you be willing to do that?" And so we sang "Come Thou Fount," and um, so we could hear about Ebenezer and then raise my Ebenezer. Do you think that's why they named him Ebenezer Scrooge? I was thinking that while the Lord's help. While I was sitting here reading this question, Charles Dickens. Yeah, I was um, wondering that myself. I might bring up uh, a Christmas. Is it Christmas Carol? Mm -hmm. Uh, Christmas Carol Sunday. Because, but we'll see. Have you ever read the Christmas Carol? I don't know that I've ever read it. It's dark. It's you know, like when you watch some of those remakes and you're right. like, ooh, that's spooky. It's spooky when you read it. You know, it's almost like a, it's like a ghost. I mean, it is ghost, but it, it's, yeah, it feels creepy reading it. I highly recommend it. It's like free. I think it's free if you get a really? Kindle version. Really? Yep, it's worth it. 
I read it several Christmases ago. Okay. Um, all right. What does it mean to... So, as you mentioned, you went home to Rama. Yep. What does it mean to worship the Lord at home? Um, I think today that means to... Uh, to read your Bible, uh, to study your Bible, um, pray, obviously, um, and, and to incorporate your family in that. Ask your kids if there is anything that you can, or your family, I mean, in my case, it would be my kids. I, is there anything that I can pray for them about? Um, I can, Alex is always, I mean, without prompting, Alex is always coming home and saying, will you please pray for so-and-so and i'm like absolutely and if, if i can't do it right then at that moment i'll i'll write the names down yeah. it's all about and, chick-fil-a chick-fil-a prayer prayers <laughs> i'll write down her her prayer request in my lord prayer. we we pray that people would finally realize <laughs> that chick-fil-a sauce and honey roasted barbecue are, are too close to the same sauce <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> but no um that's good sing to the lord yeah um, those are good. sing or play christ exalting music at home just um just being um, up front, you know, with, with your worship at home. Make it natural. Yeah. Natural's a good one. I think yeah. parents feel that pressure, um, especially when they first hear about it. Like, oh, you need to, you know, be the godly parent. You're the primary disciple maker of your kid. They feel that pressure to put together right. some program for right. their kids. And, and you don't have to, it doesn't have to be perfect. You're not no. going to be perfect. Yeah, uh, just, just read be your authentic. Bi- yeah. yeah, read your Bible in front of your kids. That's a great start. Like, don't. Yeah, if you're constantly just telling them um, about the Bible, but like, just read it in yeah. front of them. My kids recognize that. Um, so, no, that's those are all good. <laughs> it's funny. I was uh, preparing for uh, behind the message a few weeks ago, and I had. Um, I had some music, some hymns playing in the background. It was mm-hmm. just instrumental. And Connor comes and he's like, "What are you? What are you doing? Are you?" <laughs> he's like, "Are you having some kind of emotional meditating?" I'm like, "No, I'm getting my message." Did I you have? My... Did you sit in, in the middle of a circle of candles? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Oh, but one thing I did have it was a, a bunch of Enya Enya playing. No, it was hymns. It was church hymns, instrumental. <laughs> but no, I also had a, a scripture wrote here, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's so good. Sam. Yeah. I did. I have uh, mentioned this on this podcast. That verse, yeah. uh, "Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world." Um, I swear. I think I've. I think I mentioned this when I was a teenager. I got into a big fight with my parents. It was more more my mom, and I wrote. I wrote them a letter. Yes. You remember that? You remember I wrote them a letter talking about how they don't. Un- yeah. They don't get me. <laughs> They don't understand the struggles that I deal with as a teenager. And then I quoted script that Romans Do passage. Do they still have the letter? I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. The only thing I know for sure, senior year in high school, has nothing to do with anything. Senior year in high school, we uh, we had to write all these papers for our portfolio or whatever. And I had to write a poem. It was one of the 
genres, I guess. And uh, I wrote a really good poem about the summer. And they framed it, and it's in the bathroom. Uh, my bathroom. So every time I go home and I'm <laughs> going to the bathroom, I read that poem and think, you know what? That's a good poem. That's a that's framed worthy poem. Oh my. Yeah. So all I don't. Right. All right. Let's. All right. That's my Ebenezer. <laughs> so, let's bring this thing home, Jason. Why is it so important for children to see us worship in the home? It certainly shows your authenticity. Um, I'm, I am just super aware of that. I struggle with that a lot. Um, I'm like, I can't yell at my kids at church. <laughs> like well, I find myself doing at home and you just, I don't, I don't want that in their brain where they're like, yeah, dad's just a different, he's just some preacher at church, but at the house he's like, we don't even like him, yeah. you know? So <laughs> Yeah, I, I really, I, I mean, I lose sleep over that. So, you know, trying to be authentic is a big one. Um, it teaches them how to worship, which is just mm-hmm. another reason why I'm glad we have the kids in worship now. Mm-hmm. Um, on Sundays, at least, it shows them how to, shows them something countercultural. Mm-hmm. I mean, our culture is worship self, worship everything else. So to worship. The Lord in your house is incredibly countercultural, um, and it's contagious. I think yeah. um, I, I I constantly in student ministry days trying to remind parents like you the impact. I think parents downplay the impact they have on their kids, even when their kids are losing their mind and not yeah. making the best decisions. Parents. The influence parents have over their children is so massive. Um, so it is contagious if you your kids see it. So yeah, I, was, yeah I, I had security on Sunday, so I was out. Yeah, in the foyer, um, and I, I caught some of the message just walking around yeah. checking. And so when you ask, you know, he's like, "You're do do your children see you worship at home?" And I'm like. Like oh do do my children see this and so Alex when when they you let everyone out she came out and she ran up and hugged me and I said am I the same here as I am at home it's <laughs> like do you see me she's like yes dad I'm like okay that's a good <laughs> yeah. you know honestly though like that's a good dad question um, I don't think parents ask their kids good enough questions you know you parents are like my don't my kids talk to me I'm like because you just lecture them all the time. The kids don't want to be lectured. They're lectured at school all day long. Like, that's a great question if you're not sure. Even, like, my kids my age, two eight-year-olds and a six-year-old, just ask them, like, am I the same? (laughs) I mean, or I'll ask them, like, what's something that I do all the time that you don't like? Mm. And they always say, like, usually it's yelling. It's yelling. (laughs) Uh, I want to hear the answer yeah. to that. But it's good. Those are yeah. good because it does show like how how authentic are you really being at the house? So, yeah. all right. Main question it was just a self reflection yeah. question. Are you a godly leader? So I needed some follow up with that. Is everyone a godly leader? I said no. <laughs> um, I would say I mean you. I have leaders at at my job. There are people that are in charge of me. Yeah. Um, they're not. They're not godly. I'm not. I'm not saying what they're doing doing is evil, but they're not they're not worried about my internal salvation. Right. Um, 
I would say many leaders in our own government are not godly leaders based on their actions and, and ideo- ideologies. So, so no, not everyone. Would you say is a godly leader? Every believer is called to be a godly leader. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if you're a believer and if you're I a could leader, write the question. That would be the question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I didn't want. I guess I just didn't want to teach this message and people and be like, well, you know, I don't fall into any traditional leadership roles in my life so this message may not be for me i'm like no you're called you every yeah, believer is called to be something. an ambassador have, yeah. for christ a godly maybe your leadership is just uh, to be fair some of the hardest godly leadership is just leading yourself mm-hmm. um but your family your friends your kids uh co-workers friends i think i already said friends um but all right no that's good so what is the importance of godly leadership? I hope that I proved, the word proved on that on Sunday, you either have godly leadership or you're crumbling. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think every church that crumbles is, wasn't being led by godly leaders. You know, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that there's not, let's just say there's a church plant didn't work out right. and they're godly leaders and they start something else, but they didn't crumble, you know, uh, it just didn't work out. Right. <laughs> like I think crumbling is, it just st- starts to slowly rot from within. Um, and I, I think the importance what I'm seeing right now, uh, is there's no godly leadership in families. Uh, just so little of it and you we are watching even in carter county like the it's supposed there's churches everywhere it's supposed to be yeah. you know the bible belt was always supposed to be like i don't know leave it to beaver stuff mm-hmm. andy griffith um and it's not mm-hmm. and you're like what's going on i'm like well look look at all of those issues yeah there's drug issues yeah there's there's addict issues i mean RSM doesn't exist for nothing. Like, there's plenty of people that fill that place up. Um, it's the complete breakdown of the family. There's no godly leadership, and I'd put that there's no there's just godly leadership. There's no godly men. Um, very few that are just saying, you know what, we're gonna be different family. We're gonna do what is right, and that just doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean. You want to go to like a sports game around? You know, go to a go go to an athletic event around here, and see. Try and find some godly families. You'll see. You know what I mean? Like you'll see yeah. what how it's just all crumbling. You know, it's just, and it's sad. I think just watching, because the these children are suffering. Like Corey's been gone. She's been these these social workers or whatever have been slammed, yeah. and Corey. At work, I mean, she's gone like almost every night. I mean, it's been back to back kids being removed from their homes, like, Gosh. which I feel bad because I'm, you know, might be late and I'm playing video games and I go to bed and she's what, gets a call at two in the morning and has to leave and I'm like, well, all right, have fun, you know, and I go back to sleep. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what what else am I supposed to do, but it's it's brutal mm. and it's just we're watching the collapse. I see without. A heart change of a nation of people, 
it's going to get so much worse, um, even in this area. I mean, we yeah. think that we have problems now. I'm like, all those kids are going to grow up. What do you think? They're magically going to become godly parents. Exactly. Uh, so that's true. It's tough. I think it's just it's going to be the collapse of our country, which I mentioned. We're always so worried about other countries. What's Russia doing? You know, like Russia and China—they hanging out too much lately. You know, or which all of those are. I mean, obviously, you should should be concerned just yeah. in a political climate. I'm like, no, we're going to ruin ourselves more than anything else. Yeah. Um, we're yeah. rotting as a country within. So, remind me. Ooh. Remind me of a podcast I listen okay. to. I'll send it to you. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Uh, if I had anything else to say, it's important because there's no substitute for it. Like, as elders and leaders mm-hmm. in the church, you know, there's no substitute. Uh, yeah. Church can't be led by businessmen, social justice warriors. It's got to be led by godly men um so all right well that's the end of uh behind the message for the year uh this is i feel bad i i, I don't have one christmas question for you oh. um <laughs> mr ebenezer this scrooge fine. this was good what was your favorite memory this year of all of east river park your favorite or favorite memories in 2022 um, well, I thought, first of all, that, that the slideshow was great. Well, it was really good. Um, I mean, there were several times I almost got teary-eyed watching it. I, mm-hmm. I snuck in uh, and watched it second service. I didn't know that. I didn't know you were going to play it, I guess. Yeah. And at first service, I saw the lights go down, and I, I'm watching the screen, but I, you know, I don't see yeah. anything. So I snuck in second service well, and I watched will, it. I will say, just so the church knows, we've this is the second year we've done it, at least. We're... Per bylaws, we need to have an annual communication meeting every year. Mm-hmm. But it's we've tried to make all, if not most, of that meeting happen within the services. It's like, why yeah. talk about the year and celebrate the year with 20 people that stayed in between right. services? Like, let's... Yeah. So... Um, yeah, no, it was good. Um, it was wonderful uh, to see all those baptisms. Uh Seeing the debt being halved was was great, but I guess my most recent fave mem favorite memory uh, was when you asked Connor to pray at the last Bibles and oh, Bacon, really? and um, I I didn't expect him to say yeah. I was really I was yeah. really shocked in a good way, uh, but he stepped up and, and led a prayer there in front of all these grown men. Yeah, um, and I mean it was it was a good prayer. I mean yeah. it wasn't anything. Well, good. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That must have been. I mean, I'm not charismatic or anything, I guess, whatever that means. Um, it must have certainly been the prompting of the Spirit. I, I mean, I was like looking around like, who am I going to ask? Yeah. And I was like, let's do Connor. Like, why not? You know, why not? Yeah. I mean, the worst, when you challenge guys, like the worst thing they're going to say is like, he's going to say, no thanks. Yeah. And I'll, and afterwards, we say like, Connor, look, man, don't feel guilty for saying no. But he stepped up to the plate. Yeah. It was a... It was, awesome. it was a good moment. Yeah. So, yeah, some of what you mentioned, I mentioned. The only two that I have, they weren't already said. Um, 
finally attending the Easter service <laughs> after th- like three years. Uh, yeah. <laughs> COVID well, knocked us out one. Well, then I actually had COVID, COVID the other one. <laughs> I don't know if the church remembers like... I was on the recovery, so I technically... I would have been released from, you know, whatever, Fauci uh, quarantine. <laughs> I really need to watch what I say in this mic. Uh, I was released from quarantine that Saturday. So I could have been at church. So I was like, well, I'll prep an Easter message and I'll be there. And by Thursday, I had written so many drafts of like a structure. I wasn't even writing the message. I was just trying to like, my brain did not work. COVID really, I mean, it messed me up. And... Uh, so, Jeff Curtis uh, stepped up, stepped up, and did it. It was, it was great. So, yeah, this last one it was good to be like here for Easter, <laughs> and uh, so the other one. I mean, Matthew's done a great job preaching. Mm-hmm. It's been good to see him grow on that. Um, it was really good to see Jason Baker uh, mm-hmm. preach. Mm-hmm. Um, and when what was that September? I think he just did. He did such a good job, and I don't. I've told people. I may. I just haven't said it publicly. Like when if someone's new, they've never done it. You try to help as much as you can, but he was the most prepared, like already had it together person I've ever met with for the first time. Like when we first sat down to have that initial like plan for yeah. the message i'm like well you pretty much have it all done you know like (laughs) here's some thoughts on it and but his structure is already so solid and um i think he i it's so hard to do it's when you're not like i i do it you do it every week you just get used to it and you do it but even if you take a few weeks off it's hard to come back and do it so to like almost never do it and he's never done it here. I thought he did. He crushed mm-hmm. it. It was good. Oh, yeah. So, all right. That's it. That's you it. want to pray us out and pray us into 2023? I can't. <laughs> you think churches are still going to say, like, 2023 is going to be our year? Oh, goodness. Remember they know. said that in 2020, <laughs> and they're like, God. No one needs to say that ever no. again. No. That's true. All right. You want to go? You want me to pray? Sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. We got challenge. You want to get Connor? Connor, You want to bring Connor in here? (laughs) (laughs) I could do it. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, I just uh, I just want to thank you for godly leaders that you've you've put into place, and uh, I pray that you continue to to grow us here at East River Park and and to strengthen us as leaders, and that we continue to to do your will, and that we uh, continue to let and share this, uh, let the world know about you and share you. Uh, and all that you've done for us and, and that you're willing to do for anyone who believes in your son and forgive them. And as, as long as they repent and, and turn away and turn towards you, uh, uh, just thank you for everything that you're doing, everything that you're going to do. Um, and it's in Jesus, holy, precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. See you in 2023.